the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. Tune in online as well at WFIL.com or with the WFIL app. Whatever suits you. Forecast calling for clouds to clear out and low of 26 eventually tonight. A lot of sunshine in store for tomorrow. High 37. Sixers remain undefeated at home this year. Beat Denver last night 97-92. They're 13-0 at home this year. Joel Embiid with 22 points. Tobias Harris with 20. Flyers are at Colorado tonight at 9.30. And uh, in baseball, Phillies making a signing. A free agent, Yankee shortstop, D.D. Gregorius. A one-year, $14 million deal. Meanwhile, the Yankees uh, were busy as well by adding Garrett Cole. Nine years, $324 million. Yikes. With the uh, Yankees, that's the largest contract for a pitcher in Major League Baseball history by far. So this hour, we're very excited. We have a couple of very special guests. You may have heard of them before. A gentleman named Chip Davis, who's the founder of Mannheim Steamroller, which has been synonymous with uh, Christmas music, especially the last 30 or 40 years. He'll be our guest in just a little bit. And then a little later on, we have Oliver North, Lieutenant Colonel, who uh, you'll know from many different places. And he has a new book out we're going to be chatting about, but we'll also talk, uh, talk a bunch of other things along the way. Whenever I have someone on of these gentlemen's magnitude, it's always a challenge to say, how do you get your mind around someone who's been doing something for a whole lifetime? Uh, so, but I've been working on it. I think we're, I think we're going to have a good time this hour with that. Also, just a quick note uh, before we go to our, an, an early break is that we have a partnership with trans world radio. You've heard us talk about this. We've had a lot of listeners help out. It's been very exciting to have uh, many folks involved and uh, Vanessa in Philadelphia and Paul in Philadelphia, both got in touch and get, made gifts, uh, 40 and $25 respectively we're just $265 shy of finishing our partnership with Trans World Radio. So if you're listening and would be willing to call the number, it's 888-988-5656. It's off the website now, so you can't go through our site, but you can call them directly. It's a special line they have for us and for the WFIL family. It's 888-988-5656. And pick up a piece of that. Whatever you can do will be great. Uh, I'll be glad to add to that. A little bit. So if you if we get if we find out after the show that we've had people call in, I will make up the difference. Let's put it that way. How about that? If we have even if it's just one person call, but if we have a few, whatever it is, I'll make up the difference so we can conclude things today. Fair enough. You 10, 20, 50, whatever you do, I'll make it up at the end. Triple eight nine eight eight fifty six fifty six. That's to help us with the Oasis Transmitter Project, the Trans World Radio is doing, helping bring the gospel to Nigeria, the seventh largest country in the entire world. Wonderful gift that you could give at this time of year. Back with Chip Davis and Mannheim Steamroll in just a moment, WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL.
and at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in today, 408, and we are welcoming aboard our first guest of the hour, Chip Davis with Mannheim Steamroller. Hello, sir. Hiya, Tim. How you doing? Real good, Tim. Everything good out there? Wonderful. Thanks for taking a little snow this morning. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska right now. I'm home from I'm home for a few days, and, and uh, it's definitely winter here. Oh really? We had just a little little dusting overnight, but how about for you? Yeah, there's there's a well, there's probably a couple inches on the on the ground out there. Makes it pretty inappropriate. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's, it's that time of year. It, it really is pretty. Yeah. Well, congratulations. They're in order for the 35th anniversary of the annual Mannheim Steamroller Christmas Tour, and it's actually making a stop not far from here this weekend in Reading, Pennsylvania. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's wonderful to be back in Pennsylvania again. Uh, we've played in Philadelphia and a number of the places around there. I'm trying to think. There's a really big venue, that's like 20,000-seater, I, I recall, from... Yeah, there's, well, it's, it's, right now it's the Wells Fargo Center, but it's been the Wachovia Center and First Union Center. It changes names every <laughs> so yeah, often. Yeah, it's been a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. That could be one. Yeah, but... I, remember, I remember doing that, and uh, it had a great audience there. It was really cool, and... Glad that we're coming back. Yeah. What's what's what are folks in store for uh, for that evening? Okay. Well, um, there's a combination. Uh, there's there's of course the live musicians on stage performing the key parts of Mannheim Steamroller that I've written. Yeah. There's also a live orchestra of about twenty twenty five people. Wow. They'll be playing things like the string parts, uh, French horns, and you know all of that. Um, then there is also a full multimedia show, not not with every piece, because sometimes just the music is the important part. Sure. Uh, but there's a multimedia show that goes on that, that shows, since Mannheim Steamroller is instrumental, I use picture to uh, communicate words, you know, what, what, I, what my intentions were with the music. Right. And uh, the second half, there's a, a several brand new pieces that people haven't heard or seen at all. It's on a new release I have called Exotic Spaces. Okay. It's just now coming out being released and uh, on exotic spaces the first track is called wonders and uh, i used that as the opening track to the second half of the concert and it's a train ride to machu picchu and when we get up to the top then it switches from the train and i hired guys with drones to fly over and do a whole expose <laughs> and it's to show the wonder of you know ancient ancient history and the things that man has accomplished and so that's that's the beginning of the second half You've accomplished a lot, speaking of which, over the years. And I think back, uh, you know, social media and Internet and stuff makes it easier to uh, you know, promote something, whatever it is, whether it's music or something else. Back in the day when you were, you know, trying to get the music out and, and didn't have success, you went and found the American gramophone. And I was just wondering how sure you were the music, you know, what, what it was like for you back then to, to basically pioneer something. And, and, and looking back now, how successful it is. You know, there were times I was really scared, um, especially... There was one time I was only about 27 years old. In order to fund like a nine-city tour, I had to borrow two million dollars, and I was a wreck <laughs> as to if I was going to be able to pay that back. And ultimately, I did, and I'm still with that same bank, a small bank here in Omaha. And that was, you know, there were times it was extremely nerve-wracking at the very beginning. It's not so much that now because we've got a you know good success story 
Um, we have fabulous audiences come, and uh, the whole process is streamlined. And I have a great business partner, and a guy named Lee Marshall. He does his company does all the business stuff. I do all the creative stuff. Yeah, it's, it's turned into a really great machine. Chip Davis is our guest, founder of Mannheim Steamroller, the 35th anniversary uh, concert tour coming through Reading this weekend. Uh, just briefly, if you could maybe look back for a second, what the first one was like compared to now or how things have changed from the early days to now. Some stuff's the same and maybe some things have changed. Like I'm sure you didn't have drones at the fir- in the first one. Right. Um, the, the music, uh, th- there are pieces that are from the 84 album, like Deck the Halls, yeah. which you have to have in the show where people, you know, on Silent Night. By the way, I save them for the end of the show. So they're like, hey, where's, where's Deck the Hall? <laughs> and then so when it does hit, everybody's thrilled. Anyway, from the very beginning to now, you know, uh, one of the things that I can recollect is we were so poor. We had these things to run our multimedia stuff. I was just using slides. We didn't have any film then. And uh, we were so poor that when we carted in our stuff into the, the venues, the state chance would all laugh at us because everything was in cardboard boxes with wires hanging out and stuff like that. Wow! So wow! It's been a lot from from then. That's fantastic. You know, um, you looking back too. Also, it's kind of fun because the original uh, Mannheim Steamroller Christmas CD, I understand, has also been remastered and it's on green vinyl, which is a really cool thing. You're absolutely right. It's on green see-through vinyl, and uh, we remastered the uh, CD version. It's all brand new and, and spiffy and and uh, it's a special 35-year uh, anniversary edition. So whether folks get the CD or the vinyl, or is it only remastered on the vinyl? Is it on both? Uh, both. Okay. Both, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And, of course, they can enjoy it with a cup of the uh, Mannheim Seymour hot chocolate. I've, I've tasted both the cinnamon yeah. and the regular. <laughs> so. Yes, the, uh, the cinnamon hot chocolate. Well, there's the sugar-free and the regular. Okay. And uh, the cinnamon hot chocolate is uh, our, my largest-selling non-music product. Isn't it, I think isn't we, it? we measure that in tons. I think we're up around 80 tons. It's been around for 20, 25 years or so. Wow. Wow. Well, it's a lot of fun. It's great to make your acquaintance and chat a little bit, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Okay. Well, hey, thank you very much for the interview. I'd like to wish everyone at the station and all of my fans and everybody listening to the interview a very happy and safe holiday season. Thank you, sir. You too. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 421 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Wanted to throw a, a special Christmas song your way. It's from the band Reliant K. They're normally known for more of an aggressive, up-tempo, fun style uh, and certainly cerebral in a lot of ways. This song uh, has a cerebral tone to it. Uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful song. It's a simple song. It's piano-driven. Matt Thiessen, the lead singer of the band, well-known for his keyboard abilities. Uh, and the, uh, the lyrics say, And with this Christmas wish is missed, the point I could convey. If only I could find the words to say how much you know you've changed my life. Because here is where you're finding me, the exact same place as New Year's Eve. And from the lack of my persistency, we're less than half as close as I want to be. And the first time you open your eyes, did you realize you would be my savior? And the first breath that left your lips, did you know that it would change this world forever? And so this Christmas, I'll compare the things I felt in prior years to what this midnight made so clear that you have come to meet me here. And the first time that you opened your eyes, did you realize you would be my savior? And the first breath that left your lips, did you know it would change this world forever? 
to look back and think that this baby would one day save me in the hope that what you did, that you were born so I might live. To look back and think that this baby would one day save me. And I, I celebrate the day that you were born to die. So one day I could pray for you to save my life. It's Reliant K, WFIO. And with this Christmas wish is missed, the point I could convey. If only I could find the words to say to let you know how much you've touched my life because here is where you're finding me in the exact same place as me. From the lack of my persistence, we're less than... AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, it's Reliant K, and the song, I Celebrate the Day, if I, uh, if I remember correctly, it's from a CD called Deck the Halls, Bruise Your Hand. That tells you something about the band, but seriously, the, the song, a great song, and it uh, comes from Philippians chapter 2, at least this passage applies to it. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The song back there, Reliant K, I celebrate the day. We have a few uh, moments here. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back, and we're expecting a phone call from Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. He has a new book out we're going to chat about, and a lot of other things, too. So hang on for that. It's coming up in just a moment. Sim DeMoss Show, WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 4.30, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app as well. Forecast calling for clear skies tonight, low 26, lots of sun tomorrow, high 39. Sixers 97-92 over Denver last night. Flyers at Colorado tonight at 9.30. The Philly signing Yankee free agent shortstop D.D. Gregorius to a one-year deal. We're very pleased to bring in, at this time, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Hello, sir. Tim, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, uh, your voice... You know I'm I'm heading your way. Yes, I do. Speaking of sports, there's a big deal on Saturday. It is going to be a big deal. You want to make a little little prophetic uh, prognostication as to how it's going to go? Go right ahead. (laughs) Well, I don't have the gift. Oh, okay. But (laughs) but I will prognosticate that Army's streak is over. Wow. Now, you may remember last year when (laughs) when we were playing, the Army showed up on a day in which it snowed like crazy wearing all white uniforms. 
Uh, you couldn't see when, when Army had the ball. Yeah, the like, only thing you could see was the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys. I mean, it was it was great intelligence. They they played it right. I've never seen Army or a Navy in an all white uniform before or since. That's funny. Yeah. That's right. You know, I was actually down when Air Force One came down and uh, oh, and saw the president, yeah. and then he was zoomed over in one of many limousines. And I couldn't tell which one. Uh, to the game itself. So you're in town for the Army-Navy game, which, uh, how, how many of those have you been to? Is it- you know, I, my, my brother and I bet every year, and for 13 years in a row, I collected. <laughs> wow. From my Army brother. Okay. And, and, and we were trying it the other day when we were ma- making the bet for this year, right? It's always a dollar. I mean, we're, we're, we're big, big spenders. Yes, I see. And so I, I counted up the numbers of $1 bills I've got taped inside the wardrobe in my office. And there's 34 of them. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, the, amazingly, the, the, over the course of the many, many years, a century of playing football against one another, uh, it's been pretty even. Uh, there's been long streaks on both sides. Yeah. But I think I've been to about 30 of them, 34 of them, maybe. Wow. Well, uh, it's, it's funny because you just mentioned the, uh, you know, the, what's going to happen with authority there, a little bit of trash talk of sorts in a good way. Um, oh yeah, I was talking. Oh, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, served with the Navy, and he he was telling me a little while ago. He's like, "Yeah, we have all these things amongst ourselves." Like, he was uh, he he'd be like walking into marching, be like one, two, three, four. Navy owns the Marine Corps, and like <laughs> <laughs> all these different ways. Did you have those things too? Are you little sayings that you would uh, oh yeah playfully oh, jest absolutely. with each other. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know. A couple of times we were overseas together at the same time in different wars and things like that. Yeah, uh, he actually got—he's my little brother, but he got commissioned before I did because I was enlisted for three years before I got to the academy. Yeah. and Tim uh, it, and Jack went straight through. Tim, my Navy brother, uh, both the ROTC, and he—all he, three of us served in combat in various branches of the armed forces. And my sister married an Air Force doc of all things. Hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> we covered the Coast Guard, but I ran out of siblings. <laughs> but by the way, I'm not just coming up on Saturday. I'm also coming up on Friday. I know that. To sign books. That's yeah. right. The new book, The Rifleman, and you're going to be in, not far from here in uh, Exton at right. the Barnes Noble. I think it's 2 o'clock, if I have my facts yes, straight. Yes, it is 2 o'clock, and I'll stay until we sign the last book. That sounds good, as long as it doesn't interfere with kickoff. The next you got, day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about the book a little bit, and and then we're gonna jump back with your background too. Obviously, or maybe we could start with that just for a little bit for appreciation. Uh, you know, the military background you had, and a lot of different things you've done over the years, including writing books. Um, you know, we can lead up to the book. Maybe we should do it that way, just for a moment for appreciation. Because uh, as I was sifting through all of the stuff about your life, I'm like, how do we condense this into a little time together? I, I still don't have the answer to that. Um, I and thank you for your service, by the way. Before I forget, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, tell us about what you, you had a you had a military father, right? So that was kind of oh yeah, that was that was party from the get go. Grew up in the army. My dad was a, a hero from World War Two and, and Korea. Uh, all my uncles served, most of them in the Marines. Uh, all my siblings served. And when you look at that kind of growing up, it, it wasn't like you had to. You just didn't think there was anything else you were supposed to do when you when you graduated from high school or college. Uh, no one ever said you got to go serve, but we all did. So growing up in that kind of an environment, it was just a natural thing to do. Yeah. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North is our guest, uh, going to again be in town for the Army-Navy game on Saturday, but also a book signing at Barnes Noble in Exton this Friday at 2 o'clock. 
uh, you entered the Naval Academy in like 1963, I think it was. Yes, it was. And and then my understanding is that you have to decide between staying with the Na- or, you know, Navy or Marine Corps at some point. How does that work? And what made well, you decide? Well, if you come in from another branch of the service, you're guaranteed. If you want to, you can go back to that. Okay. And at one point, there was a, an effort by the nuclear Navy to recruit me to be a nuclear submarine. And I said, I'm, I'm going to be a Marine, but not in a submarine, because <laughs> uh, yeah. I was guaranteed to be able to go back to the Marines. Yeah. And so for a lot of youngsters, service selection, it's an anxiety-ridden thing. In my class, we were graduating right in the middle of the Tet Offensive, and there were a lot of guys who thought they were going to go Marines, and their fiancés said, you go Marines, mm. but we've seen all those pictures going up in Memorial Hall. You better find yourself another fiance. Hmm. So we ended up, it's one of the few classes that ended up with fewer numbers of Marines than we could have taken, in large part because there were so many guys from the class 67 right in front of us that got killed in the weeks preceding uh, the run-up, as we say, for service selection. Yeah. Yeah. You wound up doing the, the, the Vietnam time, obviously, and awarded Silver Star, Bronze Medal Star with, uh, how do you say, Combat V? Combat V. Yeah. V for, v for Valor. Yeah. And two Purple Heart medals. Is there any more room? <laughs> Just, and that's all from the Vietnam War, is that correct? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I tell people, you know, people say, gee, the Purple Heart, that's great. And I said, you know, that's really an enemy accuracy award. That means that you got wounded by enemy fire. That's not, that's not something <laughs> you, want to, you really want to have if you can avoid it. Yeah. Well, then you go on to do the National Security Council, and you've done many other things over the years. That, that The missions that you were involved in as well, I mean, amazing. Could you see some of this coming? Like, Did you have a desire to, when you look back at your life and see all the things that have happened, could you hope for those yeah. things? Uh, or yeah. Look, if it, if it had been up to me, I would not have gone to the NSC staff. And I, I asked not to. I wanted to go back to the Marine Corps. I was at the Naval War College up in Newport, Rhode Island. I was guaranteed to get a Marine Infantry Battalion. That's what I really wanted to do. And with no hubris intended, I was good at it. I was a darn good infantry officer. Yeah. And yet the Secretary of the Navy said, you're going to go. And I said, aye, aye, sir. But it was only after I'd asked many times not to have to. Hmm. Well, there are many, many missions you were involved in. It would take a long time to even get into any of them. Uh, but uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, would you say that the, I'm going to guess, the, the, the time that you served in the various capacities you were involved in, uh, th- that has served you well in putting together The Rifleman, the new, the well, new book? Yeah, of course, The Rifleman is, is written about a time well before me, even though some people think I could have been there. I'm not quite that old <laughs> right, yet. Right. Yes, uh, 244 years ago, when you look at what Daniel Morgan accomplished, I live in Clark County, Virginia. Daniel Morgan, if you were alive today, would be basically a, a neighbor right across the Shenandoah River from where I'm a kept man on my wife's farm. And Morgan was the kind of person who had extraordinary integrity. He knew George Washington personally. He was hand-selected by the pastor of his church who had married Morgan to his wife 10 years after they'd been living together. In fact, the Reverend Thurston, that was his name, was the head of the Secret Committee of Correspondence that was, of course, started by a fellow named Sam up there, in, a brewer up in Boston. Yes. And by the time that Virginia got involved in that kind of activity in, in 1774, he became the head of it. And the, another pastor of an even bigger church in Frederick County, uh, Peter Muhlenberg, was actually a secret colonel in the Continental Army by the time the war started in 1775. 
And amazingly enough, just like today, there was intrigue in the Congress of the, of the United States to get rid of the commander-in-chief named George Washington. I mean, does it sound familiar? Uh, Look what's yeah, happening right this minute yeah, in Washington, D.C. Yeah. There was even an assassination attempt against him by a terrorist who was putting together a cabal against Washington just to get rid of him because they didn't have impeachment in, the, in, in what we had to govern America at that point. But it was it, remarkable parallels to what we see today. And the remarkable thing about Morgan is it's not just because he's a founder who speaks well. Is he was taught to read and write by his wife, and she used the Holy Bible as the means of doing so. And so Morgan's a man of great faith, of extraordinary courage, great perseverance. And when he gets ordered to go to Boston from Clark, what is now Clark County, Virginia, it's a 600-mile march, and he made it in 21 days. As soon as he gets there, his, his riflemen, with these very accurate long rifles, start bumping off British officers who were so far away that you couldn't hit them with a musket, but you could hit them with a long rifle. And then he gets picked to lead the expedition on the first offensive operation of the new Continental Army. Congress dic dictates the terms. Washington is to launch an attack on the British Army in Canada in the middle of winter. And I don't want to give away the end of the story, but the word disaster will be, will be <laughs> front and center when you read the story, because it's all true. Well, if we, if we have only one little break to take during our time together. I'd love to take it now, because I have a feeling if you start getting into story stuff, it's going to be a hard to break. So if you're good with that, we'll take a quick break I'm, here. I'm good with you, Tim. Okay, very good. We have Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North on with us today. The book is called The Rifleman, and uh, he'll be at the Barnes Noble in Exton this Friday at 2, uh, signing autographs and all that, and copies of the book. So if you want to stop by for that, but continue listening in, of course, as we chat about that book and some related things as well, it's the Tim DeMoss Show right now on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 443 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL.com. And on the WFIL app, our guest is Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. We're chatting about the book, The Rifleman. Before we get back to that, uh, you know, I'm remembering back in the day, you had a show that aired on this very station. Indeed, we did. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I love doing radio. It's so much more spontaneous than television. <laughs> you know, when you do TV, it's very, very difficult to do something like talk TV, like you and I are doing talk radio. Yeah. Well, that's a, you don't have to pre-cut the, the video, video and the visuals and things like that, and you don't have to have cameras pointed in certain directions. It's very spontaneous compared mm. to TV. And I, think... I love doing both. But it's far more dynamic doing what you're doing right now than what I've done for you know 17 years at Fox. Hmm. Well, it's been, and and I remember I remember from just because I used to work at, on our sister station 990 at the time, and right. I would I'd listen over and be like, oh, I always hear the Semper Fi's, I'd hear the Common yep. Sense Radio moniker. Uh, is that, that's what it was. That what it was called? Or was it was. That? You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'd always I'd always play a song for Betsy as we went off the air. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to ask you about her before we're done. But but uh, this song's for you. And I'm on my way home. I love you. <laughs> that's that was, right. That was it. That's, so you're taking me back in time now. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, uh, on the book, you know, one of the things I'm guessing as you're, is, I mean, so to clarify for folks, the Rifleman, it's uh, it's fic it's historical fiction. So there's a lot of reality yeah. to it, right? The characters are the people who were there and all that. 
Well, the, the hardest thing about doing historical fiction, unlike my other novels, which are set in the future, is you can make up everything you want. You better get the dates right and the names right of the real thing oh, yeah. as you're embellishing it with conversations that are part of the fiction. But the reality is, man, if you, if you, if you got the wrong date for George Washington to be named as commander-in-chief, which, by the way, is June 14, 1775, yeah. if you get the wrong date, historians would be all over you in an instant that their book comes out. So you have to try very hard to make sure that you've got that part accurate. Was there a ton actually of, happened. Was there a ton of, I mean, I, you know, I'm guessing you, you had to have that sense of, I got I to gotta make sure that I've got this correct. Were there oh, others yeah. who cross-referenced and triple cross-referenced? Right. To... I, I had some great research assistants from the Clark County Historical Association and Shenandoah University. The, the young ladies, and I say young because I'm old enough to get away with it, <laughs> but the, the docents at uh, Mount Vernon and at the... Uh, the uh, Order of Cincinnatus in Washington, D.C., very, very helpful. You know, I have a question on a piece of correspondence between Morgan and Washington. And it was interesting because sometimes there was a debate between one librarian and another one. And he's just, okay, I'm going to cut the ribbon here. <laughs> That's funny. Why did he write this letter? Well, here's why. Yeah, That, that must have been fun to listen to. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I bet. I bet. You know, I have a neighbor, uh, Nick. Nick is 90 seven now 96 or seven wow he flies four flags uh small flags across his front lawn and uh, he served in the army and he actually was a runner and he one time he came he was in engaged with uh he drove whoever the commander to general Patton, and he was he didn't know what was going on but he was a teenager and um the four guys he went with um the the flags represent four 19 year olds who didn't make it back and um i mentioned that as a, a little bit of a lead into the fact that your the protagonist in the rifleman one of the crazy things is how young he was, and a lot of the people that you're yeah. writing about, how young they were, no, right? Absolutely right. In fact, one of the things that stunned me is how young most of the people were. I mean, you, here's Aaron Burr, who becomes vice president for Thomas Jefferson, who's 19 years old when he's made a colonel in the Continental Army. Wow. Lafayette was 19 years old when he came here. I mean, you look at the age of those guys. Uh, you know, when the Declaration of Independence is signed uh, in, in Philadelphia, then the capital. Uh, Jefferson's 30 years old, 32 years old. I mean, and the age of these youngsters who did these incredible things is just phenomenal. It also shows you the value of good leadership and the kind of dedicated leadership that Morgan and Washington and Lafayette and all of these guys who were out there putting their lives on the line, every single one of them is a volunteer. I mean, think about that. We don't end up with a volunteer force like this until the 1970s. When Richard Nixon said, we're not going to draft anybody anymore. So it's phenomenal what they accomplished. Not just great words, but actions as well. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North is our guest. The new book is called The Rifleman. He'll be at Barnes & Noble in Exton uh, 2 o'clock this Friday for a book signing, if you want to swing on by for that. And you can also listen to the podcast of our program, too, to get a further taste of, of things. Uh, um, you mentioned that, the, the, back to Daniel Morgan for a second, that he's an unsung American hero. And I know a lot of your work has to do with writing about heroes, whatever kind yeah. of work you're doing. I've kept company with heroes all my life. My yeah. dad was the first hero I ever knew. Hmm. You know, and I look at those kinds of opportunities. You know, we are We are known by the company we keep. And I've kept company with heroes since you know for 76 years now and that it's a great blessing because the purpose of having a hero in your life is to inspire you to be better than you otherwise might be and the classical definition of a hero is not the contemporary one where somebody's wearing a, a spandex suit and a cape 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, or winning the football game, or we're setting a new record of some kind in athletics. The, the real classical definition of a hero is a person who puts themselves at risk for the benefit of others. And I've been blessed to be able to keep coming to those kinds of people all my life. Yeah. And then the, pro- and the protagonist in your book, Morgan, is, is like that, right? They're very selfless. It's, you got it. Yeah. Selfless, not selfish. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Uh, as we're chatting here, I'm thinking of a couple of things. Um, you know, you're, as far as the Second Amendment goes, obviously, and I, just a quick parenthesis, for me, I don't get I, – I, I think about both sides of things, and I don't usually talk about stuff very much. But obviously, I'm going to guess you're you – know, having also been president of the NRA recently – and uh, yeah. and then the book is called the Rifleman. So I mean, I'm going to guess that's your views are are in the book okay. as well. So share share if you would about that a little bit, and just some sure. thoughts on why you think what you think. Look, at, we we won the revolution because nearly every American household had at least one firearm. The reason why the Second Amendment is part of our Constitution, those first ten amendments, yeah. are all things that the founders understood. We would not have survived in creating a new form of government. We the people, it had not been for the fact that every American, I'm supposed there are some that didn't. In fact, I think at one point Franklin said he no longer felt the need, the need for a firearm because he was so old he couldn't hold it upright. He was the old man of the revolution. Yeah. But the, the idea of taking on a world power and fighting for your independence, which began after the Declaration, and a civil war, The reason why we won is that almost every American household had a firearm. That's why it was put in the Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. As I'm thinking, I have multiple questions coming to mind in our our remaining time together. Um, Maybe just a couple of random thoughts uh, on the current current events, whether it's on the impeachment inquiry, on the Pensacola shooting, which I think, isn't there a training base in Pensacola? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pensacola Naval Air Station is is the biggest Navy training base in in the world. Yeah. And they teach aviation, and they had several hundred Saudi students that have now been, basically they've suspended the training for them. They've, the Saudi government has ordered them to stay here and continue to help in the investigation. But here's the bottom line of it. Instead of running around chasing after political opponents of the previous regime in Washington, the FBI should have been doing vetting on every one of the students who came here. And it's very clear from the social media, from this perpetrator, this Islamic radical who came here, if he'd been applying for a tourist visa, not an official visa like he came on, he would have never gotten in the country as a tourist had they just looked at what he was posting on the Twitter account that he had Hmm. from 2012 onward. I mean, they just simply were not doing their job, in large part because, I believe, they were so doggone busy vetting the Trump campaign and trying to find something on them for doing something wrong, which they didn't do, they, they didn't do their real job. Hmm. And we now have three dead Americans and seven wounded. I mean, this is, this is outrageous, what they were not doing. And that's, quite frankly, the fault of the leadership of the FBI and the intelligence services that are supposed to be tracking people. Hell, the whole idea behind vetting people is to make sure that bad people don't get into the country. It's a terrible lapse. Yeah. You've had, among other things along the way, too, uh, for a long time, you mentioned on Fox, the war stories with Oliver North. Uh, for those who are not familiar with that, if you could, A, share what that was about a bit, and secondly, if the episodes are still available 
to hear those stories? Well, actually, what Fox is doing, I retired in 2018. I yeah. did 17 years as the host of War Stories. We did 100, I forgot, 105 or 109 hours of award-winning documentaries about American heroes. Hmm. And the requirement I had is, unlike the History Channel or some others, I was not allowed to do reenactments. I had to have real eyewitness participants. So all we covered was from World War II forward. And not many of World War II. I mean, our very first show was Iwo Jima, and that was the pilot for the rest of the all the rest of the years. And we did a bunch of contemporary history because, as I would tell my crew, it was usually me and a cameraman and a field producer, and we would go out and we would cover military operations in Iraq, Afghanistan, Mogadishu. You pick it, bad places. Yeah. And and without any hubris or without any false pride, they were really good at what they did. They're very brave. They're very competent. They're magnificent video that they captured out there. And what we did is we went on the air and let them tell their stories without telling bad guys things the bad guys don't need to know. And it, it won awards. I mean, we've got a tele award sitting on, on my shelf. Yeah. And it, those kinds of things, the, the uh, Golden Bugle Award from the American Legion, those kinds of things, not because it was me making a movie, the war movie, although every once in a while somebody would say, so what are you doing over here, Colonel? Usually it's an older guy. Yeah. The young kids had no idea what I'd done in the past. <laughs> All they knew was that I was on Fox News, right? Yeah, you're right. And what are you doing? I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm making a war movie, and you're the star of it. And, of course, they were the stars of it. So yeah. I just loved what I was doing, again, because I love keeping company with heroes. Well, and that, uh, for those just tuning in, uh, it's Tim DeMoss show on WFIL. We have Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North joining us. And, uh, you know, as you're talking through, and we've been chatting a bit, the, the sense of history, both with the book, uh, but also all the things you've seen firsthand and, and participated in. And the sense of history, to me, uh, have you seen, with your, whether it's your kids, grandkids, um, how the importance or not as much importance is placed on history right now in, say, schools or in our culture? Because you can just Google whatever you want, and it's, it's well, <laughs> right? I'll give, I give you an example, and I don't mean this to defame teachers at all, because my mom was a public school teacher for 40 years. Yeah. And every, wherever we were, and you know, living in, in, as my dad moved around, the, the bottom line of it is today there are youngsters in Clark County, Virginia, where Daniel Morgan led, actually served in Congress after the war. Daniel Morgan, a true American hero. If you walk up to some of the youngsters who are going to public schools here in Virginia, they don't have any idea who we're talking about. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah. Hey, we're almost out of time. I, I definitely want to save a minute or two for, besides all the accomplishments, awards, experiences you've had, I know that's not at the top of your list. The top of your list is being a God-fearing husband of one, father of four, and grandfather of 18. You got it, brother. And I actually know all their names. I sometimes <laughs> confuse a cousin for a sibling, but I know all their names. And when, I de- when I get it wrong, they'll remind me. They'll, they'll call me by my first name, Sir. That's not my sister. That's my cousin. Hmm. So 11 boys and 7 girls, and the girls have granddad wrapped around their little finger, starting at birth. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to wrestle with the boys. What, so. what does it, yeah, I was going to ask you, what does it look like on a practical note, someone of your stature and experience and all the professional things you've been involved with and still are, whatever levels you're doing, all these things, and the people you know, uh, and then you have... The family, wife and children and grandchildren. How have you worked that just for wisdom for people who are trying to well, balance we, things? We, last November, we were married for 50 years, and the, our kids put on a big party for us. And in the midst of it, 
one of the one of my one of our offspring, one of our girls, asked Betsy, "How did you manage to put up with him all these years?" <laughs> and her answer was, "Well, it was easy, kids. We've really only been married for 25 years. He was gone for half of it." <laughs> so, right, right, which is a little bit tongue in cheek, but not entirely so. Uh, yeah. We've been blessed. Best job I've ever had in the world is being a granddad and and being able to share that honor, that privilege, that that great blessing with my best friend. As you, as you can see in the in the acknowledgments at the back of the book, yes, she's the most important one of of all that I acknowledged in there. And the only complaint she had about the book is the last last few words of that acknowledgment. She said, "Did you have to put that in there?" I said, <laughs> "It's all true, honey. You're still the most fun I've ever had." That's excellent. That's great. I'm told I should say Bravo Zulu. Is you got that, it. Is that right? It is. Bravo uh, Zulu is naval flag hoist for well done. And uh, you have, you've done it well, Tim. <laughs> well, I'm saying it towards you, but thank you very much. Um, and folks want to come see Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. He'll again be at the Barnes & Noble next and this uh, Friday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon signing copies of his new book, The Rifleman. We really appreciate your time. God bless you, and enjoy the, uh, I'm sure you will, the Army-Navy game on Saturday as well. Welcome oh, yeah. to town. I know it's going to be more enjoyable than last year. Merry Christmas. I think we're still allowed to say that in Christian radio. All the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. You too, brother. Thank you. I uh, look forward to seeing you. Sounds Semper Fi. Semper Fi. That's it. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, kind enough to spend the afternoon here with us on the Tim DeMoss Show. You can get the full podcast of that and other Tim DeMoss shows anytime you like at WFIL.com. We'll have this one up and running here in the next hour or so. In the meantime, we will wrap things up and pass the baton to Jim Maxim with Acts 413 Ministries. He leads in prayer next in WFIL. Look forward to a special show, including Sarah Groves joining our program tomorrow on the Tim DeMoss Show. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.